This episode of Truce Table is brought to you by Truce Table. By Truce Table. Black women's musings on life, love, and liberations everywhere where books are sold. Online, in the stores, at your mama's pop bookstore. Go buy our book. Everywhere. Period. And the Christian Standard Bible. Hey, y'all. Welcome to Truce Table. Midwives of Culture for Grace and Truth. I'm McCamini. And I'm Christina. This table is built by Black women and for Black women. So welcome to the table. See how you doing, girl? I'm doing all right. You know, I got this little tingle in my throat. Oh, boy. You know, been fighting, fighting these conditions and elements. Oh, no. But yeah, you got a whisper of prayer, whisper. I hope it's an allergy <laughs> and not COVID because whoo. <laughs> I don't think it's COVID. But, but, but there's all, that's always on the table, isn't it? COVID is always. COVID is always in the living room. COVID is always around. Always on the table. Be gone. Be gone, COVID. COVID be gone. I'm so over COVID. <laughs> but it's not over us, apparently. It is not. COVID has a absolutely obsessive grip on this disobedient land that we live in. That's Let's right. Just, just add that. You know, we didn't all, we all, you know, you know, there were some people who really, for medical reasons, could not be vaccinated. Yes. And, you know, you will not receive any judgment from me. I'm going to find my business on that. But, but we all know, we all know that, that there was some, there was some uncles and cousins, you know, unnamed people who believed that they, like the cavemen, didn't need no medication. <laughs> and, there, and therefore... <laughs> We will not have herd immunity. And I got to laugh to keep from crying, but I'm mad as I'll get out, to be honest with you. So that, that's where I am right now today. How are you doing, Steve? How are lot. you doing? It's a lot because it's, it's popping out and we it's summertime is almost upon us. And yeah, we we going in in a worse condition than we did last year with regard to the <laughs> Listen. My goodness, I just. But doesn't but doesn't the heat kill COVID? Doesn't the heat kill COVID? Not America, apparently. <laughs> you know, it. it listen, it's very well in West Africa, but it ain't doing right over here. I don't know. Listen, listen, disobedience. <laughs> there are there are consequences, y'all, for for communal disobedience, and I just, I, you know, call me what you want to call me. Call me old school. Call me what you want. But uh, sometimes we got to we got to get information. <laughs> it's what it is. No, really, it is do. What it is. We do. There's real consequences for real. Real consequences. So anyway, oh, you know what? Actually, speaking of consequences, come on now. You know, y'all, we are back with the behind our book episode, and it is the all right, Millie Rock, Millie Rocks. <laughs> That was that that was that had a little bit of eighties on that. That was not the two thousand. Carry on. But um yes, behind the book, behind our book, it's discipline in the church. So we're talking about consequences. Well, segue, segue. Then Christina goes in on the consequences, you know, and the accountability. Um, that the church needs, you know, this is a, this is a, a book chapter that I think is so, it's funny in that, well, it's not funny, but you know, cause the church cutting up, but it's, my mind. it's ironic my in mind. that discipline in a church, I would imagine might be a little bit like, huh, what, like, what is this chapter about? But it's something I think that, um, particularly growing up in black church, I think you, we know it, but we don't know we know it. You know, when uh, a brother so-and-so or when sister so-and-so got sat down, that was like, at least from my experience, that was the extent of what church discipline uh, uh, was in my own 
<laughs> or, or what you saw. Oh, what I saw. Anyway, exactly what I saw. Who do, I don't know exactly, you know, all the details of what happened, you know, behind the scenes or what, but, you know, a uh, brother or sister so-and-so was sat down, you know, for a period of time. And that was the extent um, of what I understood you know, church discipline to be. And so, uh, see, I am excited for you to unpack this <laughs> chapter, disciplining the church. Why was it important? I mean, I, I feel like this is an obvious question, but why would you feel, <laughs> in light of ev- all the things, uh, but why did you feel it was important to include this in this book? And, and also, I believe it's in the love section of the book. So why this... Sh- uh, topic, why this, yeah, why did you feel it's important? And including it in, say, the love chapter instead of liberation, instead mm-hmm. of life, because I feel like it could have fit in any one of those other subcategories, too. Mm-hmm. So what was your your process or methodology behind that? Yeah, for sure. You, you are right. It's, as we are recording this, there's so much happening in our kind of national context related to um, what should be disciplining the church. I mean, I haven't heard enough about disciplining yet. <laughs> I've only heard, I've, I've heard about scandal, but I have not heard about a response to said scandals. Yes. Um, but that, but that could be, but you know, my ears are definitely not all knowing. Things could be happening that I am certainly not aware of. Um, so, so why in the love section? I mean, the love section, we have all this stuff that's really related to like relationships mm-hmm. and largely, you know, relationships when we think about um, romantic, intimate relationships between men and women, that exist or that we would want to exist, et cetera, or that have, have been torn apart or are no longer existing, et cetera. And so that's, that's in the love chapter. But when I think about what discipline is supposed to be from a Christian standpoint, it is supposed to be an expression of love. I mean, God, God loves us through a variety of means, right? So there's this abundant grace, there's a transformation in Christ, there's, um, you know, there's being, there's being made new and all things being made new. I mean, there's so many ways there's justice, uh, not, not fully perfected justice, but we do get glimmers. Oh God, do we need some right now? And glimmers of justice on this side of glory, but discipline is another expression of God's love for us. I mean, scripture tells us that a father who does not discipline his son does not love his child. And, um, and I think oftentimes based on our own, um, maybe family of origin, our own experiences, our own trauma, Mm -hmm that we we uh, have different reactions to the words discipline, but discipline simply is just just a, um, it's kind of, a, it's just simply a process, right? An ordering process, a process uh, to keep us going in a particular direction. So athletes have to be disciplined. You can't run any kind of way you want to run if you want to be a runner. You know, you can't, you, you, when we go, go to the gym, you just can't work out any kind of way. Like there's a system in which you must work out in. There's right. ways that you must move your body uh, for your own benefit for your own good, or you'll do more harm. And likewise, discipline isn't just necessarily the kind of the setting down examples that we talked about, but that also includes, you know, the the preaching menu, the, pre- the preaching curriculum. I mean, that's a part of discipline, like what, what people are fed, uh, what, what the, what's the content of the sermons, the songs that we sing, all of these things are pointing us in a particular direction that we are walking towards. And so I um, the church, it is. I think there's so many people who are done with the church for a whole host of reasons. Some I think very, very good, and I have a lot of empathy regarding. Um, but I think ultimately, at bottom, one of the reasons why people are upset and hurt and traumatized is because there is a lovelessness 
because there's a lack of discipline. And I think that might feel ironic to some people. They're like, no, 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 the church needs to stop telling me what to do and, and stop judging my life. And I'm like, well, no, no, you actually want the church <laughs> to put up some boundaries <laughs> about what people can and cannot do up in here. Okay. You want, you want that, you know, uh, there's nothing like looking at a classroom of kids where the teacher has no classroom control and you look off and you see a child in the back who is full of anxiety and dismayed and cannot learn because the class is absolutely running amok. Mm. And you, that that's not, we don't call that a fun teacher. We don't call that a free teacher. We call that a teacher that is incompetent. And so right. uh, we, we need leaders. We need teachers. We need people um, who are, are, who are mindful and not just people in authority. We need everybody in that space to be mindful of how to make sure that it stays safe and disciplined for the benefit of making sure that everyone feels like they're loved and, and can grow in that community. Mm. Yeah, no, you're right. It is an, it is an expression of love and well, actually too disciplined, right? Um, and right. the lack of it is an expression of lovelessness. And I think that because we don't, um, our society as a whole actually is yeah. so averse <laughs> to discipline right. and to um, consequences and accountability. That's why all this cancel culture stuff, it's like, Nah, y'all. Folk, folk really ain't getting canceled. They, 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 they're facing consequences um, and yeah, yeah, accountability sure. because the folk yeah. that we say are canceled continue to prosper. They continue to thrive. They continue to get the deals. They continue to, like, you know, what I mean? yeah. <laughs> so this illusion of this uh, cancel culture. I'm not saying that the internet is not a harsh place. I'm not yeah, saying that there sure. are not um, uh, misguided approaches you know, to seeking um, accountability. I'm not saying that there are not sometimes witch hunts, you know, that occur. Those things do happen, but ultimately uh, yeah. can't nobody cancel you but God. And you don't want God to cancel you. That's why you need to fall into the discipline, the accountability, <laughs> and even the judgment at times of the saints and the church. Better for them to judge you than for God to judge you. Right? Yeah. So well, these are true. I, I know true. We, don't, we don't preach about that no more in the church, but well, receive well. ye that word. <laughs> Goodness gracious, Lord, help your church. And so, so Christina, can you talk to us about what? Okay, so you're like, man, there's a lack of love, you know, um, because we, and we that is so clearly seen by the fact that there is a lack of discipline, even now with everything that is happening on these heinous, heinous crimes that have been taking on take um have been going on in the church you still have not heard much about discipline or accountability yet my prayer is that we, we hope and, and pray that they get the church gets there um with with regard to that um but what was your process of preparation uh for this and yeah where where did you have to go i know i've heard you teach on um church discipline and even the consequences of unchecked uh, discipline and the impacts of that, like with regard to racism, chattel slavery. Hello. Mm -hmm. um, as a consequence of a lack of discipline, um, particularly on the, the part of say en enslavers, right. And the church failing um, to do mm -hmm. that. So what did you have to do in order to prepare to write this um, chapter? What was your process? Yeah. I mean, I think whenever you write a, whenever you write about a topic that brings about accountability, I think you have to look with, you have to do some work of looking within. Like, so there's, so it's so a different parts to this. One part is just the awareness of like, okay, so in what ways, um, you know, what are my, what are my pet sins? 
What are the things that um, I avoid being checked about or held accountable to, et cetera? How do I use my social power, position, influence, whatever, giftings to avoid or to, um, you know, basically build a fence around the golden calf? That's right. And, um, and I think you just have to, I think you have to ask yourself those questions and not just ask yourself. I mean, the scripture would tell us to, to ask the spirit to search us. Yeah. And the Lord will let you know, you know? <laughs> I mean, we don't pray prayers like, can you show me my sin, Lord? You know, we don't pray. <laughs> but, but, I, but I'm telling you, the Lord will answer that prayer. Yes. Um, so, so anyway, I think I knew, I knew I needed to do that work. It would be very easy for someone to look at the chapter and say like, but you fill in the blank or you whatever, you know. So um, so that's that's a piece of it. I don't think that that was all consuming. Um, but I, I think I, w- I had an awareness of it. The other thing I did is I tried to read as much as I could historically about about church discipline first from a biblical theological standpoint mm-hmm. um you know I, you know i'm a, a black baptist sunday school trained theologian <laughs> it's my space and so i'm kind of like uh let's look at this biblical theology let's let's look at the implications of the old and the new testament and and really have an understanding of what was happening in the early church right. the, the ways that scriptures have been used or completely avoided uh yeah. on set on said topic okay. <laughs> Um, and and really where the position of power rests, so so to speak, to to enforce or to bring about discipline. Um, I think oftentimes we're looking to pastors or people who have uh, social power within the context of the church, assuming they also have uh, religious and or- ordained authority. That's right. You know, because all you know, ministerial authority comes from from scripture and obedience to it. So you don't have authority as a pastor because we call you pastor. You have authority in as much as you are lined up with the word of God in submission Amen. to it. And you don't have a faster, you're not closer to Jesus than the, the person in the pews, right? Than mother Jacobs is like, let's not, let's not get crazy out here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so, so, so I had to do a lot of reading, I think, around that topic, the ways in which church, obviously, and a lot of reckoning with the ways in which the idea of church discipline has been used in incredibly abusive ways, because, and I, I kind of make this, this case, hopefully people pick this up, that the people with the position of power are the ones who make the laws, period, like, period, yeah. <laughs> whether that's in the church or outside the church in the world. And so the laws that we have, uh, are the laws that are emphasized, whether it's in the church or whether it's just just all about the world, have to do with the priorities of those who have power. Um, and so when you see churches that seem to be obsessive about maybe three topics alone, like what you're doing with the money, adultery, um, and really, I, think, I feel like that those are the two in a lot of spaces. It has to do with money and sex or, the, or kind of the two big buckets that you often hear about. Uh, and and in and, and and what is interesting about that is that certainly there, that leaves out so many other so, much. so many other things, um, such as uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, un- unloving and corrupt political practices, um, That's right. misuse of power in different ways and exploitation, mm-hmm. um, and so all of that. So, so my goal isn't to say like, yeah, let's you know, everybody, we all need to get in trouble together. No, the goal is to say that. The people with the position of power are are in a very tempting place to only emphasize and to really 
attend to matters that they are concerned about. So I hear a pastor go on and on and on about the sin of gossip. <laughs> and, and, and by the way, this is not an uncommon dynamic in a whole host of church traditions. And, and, and gossip, don't get me wrong, is a very big deal. You know, I understand clergy dynamics, part of a clergy family. Trust me, got 20 years in the, in the game, okay? Uh, with that being said, um, it, I, it tickles me a bit because that has to do with, you, you have to get to like, why do people gossip in the church? Why? It might be easy, but because they're the devil, they're the devil kid. That's why they gossip. Okay. But, but also it could be that no one can actually get to leadership to tell them anything. That's and right. The and the leadership doesn't listen to anybody unless they pick and pick them themselves. And they're surrounded by a good old boys network. And so you leave people to fill in the, fill blank. In the blank themselves. Exactly. Right. And so when you make gossip like the worst sin instead of neglect of the people, or lovelessness, or not knowing how to deal with issues of domestic violence in the church, for example, then you're showing and revealing your priorities as a leader. Mm-hmm. So those, those things are really disturbing to me when I and I and I'm looking for that. Um, so so I I thought about you know my years of working with the church in a variety of different ways, uh, and all that study piece that I just mentioned to you as I tried to prepare to put something on paper, knowing that this chapter could be an entire book. So I, I wanted to really write something that would make people go like, oh, we need to dig deeper into this topic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad you wrote it. it was, it's a, it's very timely, <laughs> uh, particularly in the American church context. Let's just, <laughs> let's put it, put it there. And, uh, you know, we, let's take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we are going to talk more about disciplining the church with Dr. Christina Edmondson, the author of the chapter. So don't go nowhere. (laughs) Keep it locked, all right? (laughs) Truth's Table, Black Women's Musings on Life, Love, and Liberation is a classic in the making, according to Tracy Michelle Lewis-Jiggett, author of Black Joy, Stories of Resistance, Resilience, and Restoration. New York Times bestselling author, Dr. Jamar Tisby, says that people often say, Listen to Black women. Now at Truth's Table, you have your chance. We don't deserve the gift of this book, but once again, Black women have generously served us all. If we are to actually alleviate the immense burdens our sisters bear, then we must heed their words. T. Morgan Dixon, co-founder of Girl Trek, says this, There is a textured knowing in this book, a spiritual enlightenment, made brighter by the author's own personal breakthroughs. The way they describe the fabric of our collective trauma makes me trust their solutions. And Dr. Joy Hardin-Bradford, founder of Therapy for Black Girls, says that Truth's Table, Black Women's Musings on Life, Love, and Liberation, shines a light on some of our most vulnerable places as Black women, leaving no stone unturned. Truth's Table, Black Women's Musings on Life, Love, and Liberation, is a clarion call to consider our communal truths by opening ourselves up to a deeper inner truth. By Truth's Table, Black Women's Musings on Life, Love, and Liberation, wherever books are sold. See, I know that you get questions all the time about Bible study and how to study your Bible. What do you tell the people? Well, you know what? First of all, I'm excited that they want to study, right? But I also recognize that, you know, one of the things that really used to intimidate me about just studying scripture is that I would just, I would get overwhelmed with the text, right? And so one of the things I emphasize to people is to get yourself a a translation of the scripture that's easy for you to read, right? Because if it's easy for you to read, right, and there's accuracy as well, right, then you're going to enjoy reading. You're going to be more likely to sit at the table and open up your Bible and do that. And the 
The Christian Standard Bible, for example, is easy to read, making it more likely for you and I to stick with our actual Bible reading. How about you? Well, yeah, you know, um, you're right about that. This The CSB, the Christian Standard Bible, CSB, is a Bible translation for everyone, uh, wherever you are in your faith. And we know that people at the table are at different points in their faith and maybe even have some struggle opening up their word. And so the CSB's translation is for you as this Bible has several editions and resources to help you along your journey of lifelong discipleship to Jesus, which is our goal here at Truth's Table. In addition, the CSB offers dozens of different editions to help readers engage with scripture in new and different ways. So if you're a journaling person, they got journaling Bible. If you are a meticulous study, if the studier, if you are a Berean, they got study Bibles. Hey, hey. Uh, they have commentary Bibles, just to name a few. There's an edition for everyone. So E, where can people go to get the Christian Standard Bible? They can go to csbible.com. I'm going to repeat it one more again. That's csbible.com. And we are back at the table talking about disciplining the church with Dr. Christina Edmondson. And y'all, listen, this chapter is evergreen because we ever seen it. The church needs a whooping. I, that's even if you don't believe in whoopers. The church need a whooping. I think I think even if you don't believe in whoopers, I think people can agree with like, the church is wild. The church is wild. Okay. We 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 looking like the Corinthian church out here. I just it it's a bad situation. <laughs> I was like, Lord, help us. Help your church. So, you know, Christina, I okay, so this kind of segues into my question my question about the joys and challenges. Um, because we did talk about how the fact that the church is just, is ever sinning, um, and it, it is an evergreen topic. What were the challenges, you know, that you were met with, with writing this? Like in, like, for instance, like with regard to like the ongoing, um, news reports about say sexual abuse, um, even spiritual abuse, sexual abuse, say we're hearing from the SBC, um, and spiritual abuse that abounds. You're hearing people on the timeline talk a lot about the spiritual abuse that they've experienced in their church context. I'm a survivor of spiritual abuse myself. So, you know, and just all the things that you, you hear, particularly as us as leaders, we hear a lot, (laughs) um, about, you know, what happens at different churches or what people have experienced, um, at different churches. And so I'm curious about like that Mm -hmm. with that, given that backdrop, what was the challenges? And of course the joys of writing this chapter um, for you, was that a challenge, you know, like Mm -hmm. with the constant news cycle of just bad reports coming from the church, if you will. Well, so I think even before the, you know, there's been a long history of so-called bad reality of bad reports. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think what I was probably drawing from and what I have in the back of my mind is 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 not necessarily news reports, but therapy sessions, okay. working with people. So whether that was PKs, you know, preachers, kids, missionary kids, MKs, uh, working with people who had experienced abuse uh, directly from uh, church leadership, um, whether that was ordained leadership or someone who just had social power within the church, um, or the church was complicit. They covered up. They did nothing. They 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 uh they solidified the power of of the person who already had power. They lined up. That's right. <laughs> uh, and that happens a whole lot. That happens a whole lot. Um, and I think that's who I was thinking of. You know, I did a presentation recently um, for a group of 
pastors, church leaders from a variety of denominations uh, a few weeks back. And it was it was inspired by this chapter. And in one of the and in, and in the presentation, I talked about a story that I tell uh, in the chapter, uh, this narrative of the the teen mother uh, being brought down to the front of the right. church, um, being being humiliated. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is as if she was, you know, became pregnant by herself <laughs> or whatever. And, and as if we know all the condi- as if we know the conditions even of, the, of said pregnancy of all the things. Right. Right. Um, and just. um as if that is like the, the like the greatest sin, right? right? Um, and what um, and so I, t- I talk about that example in the book and how it makes sense that if people feel like that is church discipline, they would run from it. I mean, they would be like, "Get that away from me! This is where's the grace? This is horrible! This is and really, it's 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 punching down yeah. uh, because because oftentimes what we 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 need to focus on discipline that goes up up to those with authority, those with power, those who we've laid hands on, those who are ordained, those who are supposed to be shepherding the flock. Oftentimes we're thinking about having those people disciplined downward to those without power. And I'm I'm talking about a bottom up perspective. Um, Whereas, uh, you know, the the woman in the pew has a right to speak out about uh, the the clergy person who is misusing their power and authority as as part of the the priesthood of all believers, she she or he whoever they, within themselves have the authority given by the Spirit to say this is not lined up with the Word of God yes. and I want to call my leadership into a way of living and being that better that, that we more so reflect what God wants for us together. Um, and so we're looking oftentimes at people who have power whether they should have it or not to get things together. And I'm saying that all of us who are blood-bought believers are a part of this work of, of disciplining the church, so to speak. And I, But certainly there's a greater burden and responsibility that's going to lay on the heads of those who are ordained, who are clergy, that they will have to give an account for as shepherds. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, so, so anyway, so that, that's what came up. And when I gave that, that story in that public setting afterwards, I had an, a, a woman come up to me um, I believe she was probably in her eighties. I mean, she looked like she was 61. A woman looked great. Okay. And so she, came up, she came up to me and she said, you know, I was, she said, you know, I loved hearing you present very sweet. And she said, you know, that was my story. Mm. That was me. And she said, they did the same thing to my best friend, but she never came back. Yeah. Never came back. And then she kind of, t- she gave me this trajectory of her life versus her best friend's life. She left the church and she said that Jesus came and got me one day. He was like, okay, I know my people crazy, but I got you. <laughs> and he came, you know, it's this story that she shared. And, and, and obviously she serves in leadership in the church for, you know, decades. Right. But her best friend, that is not what happened. She left and, um, despiraled further down, um, and ended up dying very early. So the contrast between her life and her friend's life, the, the weightiness of that. Right. And, and I think uh, lovelessness has major consequences. Yep. Yep. that lovelessness has major yes, consequences. And so I'm writing this as to say, like, well, we don't need more just, you know, telling people that they're wrong. We need more holding to account leaders. And we need to love people. Forget about cancel culture. We need accountability culture. Like, if you're not giving people an opportunity to say, like, what it looks like to repair. That's right. Uh, then we have a problem. It's very lazy to say, you know, you, you said the wrong thing or you did the wrong thing be gone. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, it's much more work to say like, yeah, you're out of pocket. And let's talk about what restoration looks like. 
like how are you going to repair the harm that's been done, like a restorative justice approach. And yeah. so that takes more love, that takes more vulnerability, even on our parts to do that, it takes more investment to do that. But I do think that's the calling of what we what we are to do for each other, mm-hmm. regardless of our regardless of our social power within the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, um, as you're talking, I'm thinking about like, you know, the punching down and how it needs to be a bottom up approach. And I'm thinking about so many of um, our sisters at the table and our people in the standing room section who have experienced um, all manner of abuse. It, you know, it could be sexual, it could be um, spiritual, you know, abuse. Mm-hmm. And they have, um, and, and maybe some have tried, you know, to um, seek uh, recourse, you know, or some measure of accountability, but were, um, you know, were met yeah. with that iron fist, if you will, um, totally, were, totally. or, or uh, locked out, punched down on, um, yeah. or, or, or like you said, everybody rallied around power, right, in order yeah. to exclude, you know, the the person that's victimized, that was um, victimized, or who survived, you know, the abuse. I'm curious about if you have any um, advice or words of wisdom for people, um, you know, for an approach on how to seek. Um, accountability um, that comes from the bottom up. How does one hold, say, the pastor accountable if the pastor, you know, is the perpetrator? Um, yeah. Particularly if they're in, like, say, some sort of, let's just say, a non-denominational context, yeah. even though even the ones that are denominational. <laughs> Sometimes you still don't get, you know, up there. Many times. Many, many times, right? So even when you do have, you know, the structures in place, they oftentimes still sometimes, you know, coalesce around the person with power. But let's say in a non-denominational context, do you have any words of advice on how, um, yeah, maybe the, a survivor can seek accountability, some measure mm-hmm. accountability from the perpetrator? Let's say the, the perpetrator is a Whoa. pastor or somebody on staff or somebody that has more power. Let's say then they come yeah. again. How does yeah, that happen? Yeah. So, so I'll start by saying this, and I and I'll say this disclaimer only because I think there is a there is a need to publicly say, like you know, we honor pastors yes. and clergy people who the, the average pastor is bivocational. They they don't live a glamorous life. Their family makes incredible sacrifices. That's right. Uh, they're more likely to have um, significant mental health stressors and burdens that impact their long-term financial and uh, physical health. So, I mean, you know, we give honor where honor is Absolutely. due. I don't, I don't think that most people who are called into ministry get up in the morning and they're like, how can I be negligent and unloving <laughs> to these congregants? Yeah. I mean, somebody, somebody is wild like that. Don't get me wrong. But I don't think that most of them are thinking that way. Yeah. And so I want to give honor where honor is due. I do have the pleasure of working with, with clergy, you know, at times on a weekly basis throughout uh, the country and even outside of the United States. And so with that being said, mm-hmm. with that being yeah. said, <laughs> um, I look for certain signs in healthy churches and amongst healthy leaders. And I look for people intentionally decentering themselves uh, from glory, mm. from power. I, I look for it not just in verbiage, but in structure. Mm-hmm. So structure matters to me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, oftentimes you'll have a church that may have a may have a shaky structure, meaning like how how the systems and how um, who has what say, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and the worse the structure is, the more you're gonna rely on the benevolence. Uh, and the and the wisdom and the do goodness of the leader. <laughs> it's a lot of burden on their kind of moral perfection if the structure is shaky. So I'm looking for both. I'm looking for a deep deal, a great deal of humility, 
in in the leader themselves, uh, and that and not a leader. I'm looking for leadership, a system, yeah. a team. Um, so this this lets you know something about my my theological bias. I mean, I'm gonna be hard pressed to be like we got this one. There's only one. That's Jesus. <laughs> In, in every other system, I want to need to see a team of leadership. I'm going to need to see shepherding, she, a, a team of shepherds, uh, so to speak. And call it what you want to call it, based on your tradition. You do your thing, mm-hmm. but but I'm going to I'm going to need to see some decentering happening because um, uh, that's I think that we're going to get into a lot of problems uh, when we're putting all of our um, our hopes in one person. They are going to fail us. There's no doubt about it. Um, so we need to distribute that burden. So I'm, I'm looking for a leader who has the wisdom to know that, leaders who have the wisdom to know that. I'm also looking for uh, structures that are mindful of the marginalized and that create feedback loops so that people can really share what they're going through, how they're feeling, um, and if they're connected in the church or not. I'm just I'm looking for um, those types of communication mm-hmm. pathways. Uh, I'm also looking for a history uh, through something that they should share out publicly of how they how they would and have handled um, uh, issues of concern in the church. So that's a, so in, in, a, in that chapter towards the end, I have a series of questions that I just ex- extend to people and say, um, if you're looking for a church right now, and we have people who haven't been in church in years, yeah. they you're, you know for all kinds of reasons. Uh, They're healing and it's very hard to heal in the place that has done harm or the place that you perceive even that represents a place that did harm to you. Right. Um, But those, for those who are contemplating returning back, I would, I would recommend maybe checking out the chapter and looking at those questions because those questions I think um, help leaders help us to be able to say to leaders, um, you know, what, what is happening here? Can can you respond to some of these things? Mm. And not only their answers, but the way in which they respond to your questions will be diagnostic. Okay. So if, if I have a leader that's looking at me like, who are you to ask me a question? Well, then we got a problem because obviously you don't know who I am. <laughs> like I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and, I, and, and I do get to ask you questions. Right. You know, I, do, I do get to... <laughs> I do get to say what's going on in this place that I'm entrusting my soul care to yes. into my family soul care. I get to ask questions. And that's different than being disrespectful and unkind and being um, unnecessarily you know, mean towards leadership that kind of tear them down. Um, but, but that is an indication when you have someone who is incredibly defensive about questions of practice and operation. Mm-hmm. Um, and issues of, of discipline. How would you handle this? Are you trained in domestic violence? Uh, you know, uh, best practices. Right. I mean, like for them, and I'm I'm looking for a response to that. And it doesn't. And if they don't know, a lot of people don't know. I'm looking for them to say no. But I'm thinking, thank you for bringing that to my attention. We need to move in that in that mm-hmm. direction. Right? So anyway, that's that's what I would say. And obviously, I want to just the person who's listening right now who believes they're in a place that is spiritually harmful. Certainly, if we're talking about criminally harmful. You need to get out now, today. This is your last day. <laughs> receive, receive this message. Goodbye. Come follow me. I will open the door for you. Let's go. Um, and, it, and then also, I think um, when churches will not use the measures of discipline that God has provided, um, it's interesting in one of the one of the one of the New Testament passages that talks specifically about uh, issue of discipline. You know, the ch- this church is basically living, you know, worse than the pagans is the language. And then after that section, and it tells them like what they ought to do, you know, dispel the immoral brother, right? But right after that section, it talks about 
Christians suing each other. And I always found it interesting that we go from that misconduct right into, now don't, don't be out there suing each other. Mm-hmm. But you can, under, you can understand the temptation to take it to civil court oh, or criminal Because when we don't handle business in the church, that is exactly what's going to happen. You shouldn't get all upset when you get tried in the court of CNN or MSNBC News because you did not do what God told you to do in the household of faith. And so that becomes a better means of grace and a form of judgment on the church when Washington Post has a story about our misconduct because we did not want to listen to the woman who warned us for years and years yes. and years we were going astray. And so be it. Or, so, or would not receive counsel from the Catholic church who had, who had already went through and been through this. Like you, yeah. No. Pride. No, no. Cause we're all, cause everybody thinks they're the righteous remnant. So this is, so again, you know, pride, pride comes before a fall. It's an issue of humility. And if there is no humility, then we know that there is no, there's no love. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Well, what do you do you feel like there's anything that in the chapter that um that you felt was left unsaid that maybe you would have um yeah mm-hmm. that you would have um actually added um and also uh what do you want people to take away you know from the chapter yeah i want i want people to be i don't know whether or not i've, I've left anything unsaid per se um hmm. I, I think there is more to say, but I don't know if I should have said it or if in this chapter it needed to be said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there's always more to say, but but you got what you got. It's what you get. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but what I would want them to take away is the sense that if you are a blood blood bought believer, to not despise your positionality in the body. And the scripture is very clear about it is the parts that we think have the least honor that we are to bestow honor to. And that honor doesn't just include like, you know, giving you a good seat inside the worship service, right? Right. Or using you as a sermon example illustration. Honor also looks like deference. Honor looks like saying to children in the church, do you feel safe here? And becoming deeply educated about what it means to keep children safe in the church and being really concerned about about hearing their thoughts and opinions. Um, and so so giving honor to the parts that we typically despise or ignore or don't think are valuable, that honor also looks like uh, submission. The, the church is called to mutual submission. Yes, yes, yes. And, and when we receive authority and people get, you know, kind of lifted up, so to speak, that should be, when we see that happen, happening, it should be the person who's like, hey, take the camp, take the, the spotlight off of me. I've talked enough. Mm-hmm. And then we say to that person, no, no, no. We want to give honor where honor is due. The person who is honorable is the one that's like, you know, I don't I don't really need to be up here. But we're dragging them up there. The people are versus they, they run up there because they're, they're the only one who knows Jesus. Okay. Right. Um, and so I would hope people would walk away feeling a sense of empowerment I hope they would feel a sense of maybe even the beginning of healing that you that you are seen not by me and my words but by the Lord, um, and that um, you have within you in that empowerment and being seen by the Lord um, certain tasks and responsibilities within the body to keep it healthy. Yes, um, and so I, I and that's not just so called pastors or ordained people that keep the church healthy. All of all us, all of us do. All of us are about this particular business yeah. of keeping the church disciplined. That's good. That is good. Yeah, we're all responsible for the health. We either contribute to the health or the toxicity of the church. Um, and so, and you're right. It, it's it's definitely, yeah. It's not just the leadership. It is also um, the lay members 
and the folk in the pew. Like, you know, um, what are we saying about one another? What are we doing to one another? <laughs> oh, exactly. Exactly. So it's, yeah, it's not always conflict between so-called leader and a, and a member. It's conflicts between members and members, right? Uh, there are so, so many dynamics. I and mean, if you look at the state of race relations that's in Christianity, well, I mean, you want to talk about an issue of, of, of great discipline. It is probably one of the most ignored social social issues, yeah. social sin issues, in, in certainly in, in America. Yeah. Um, and, and there is enough wisdom in scripture and enough empowerment of the spirit to do something about it. Yeah, but the will. But the will. Mm-hmm. But the will. Mm-hmm. will. Wow. Wow. Well, I am so grateful that you wrote this very timely and important chapter um, that I hope people will continue to return to time and again. I I, I hope and pray that it's um, a chapter that is a resource to the church where they're like, woo, maybe I've never heard of church discipline. I never know. I didn't know this was a thing, a, a category, even in the Bible, even a theological category. I hope that people um, wrestle with it and uh, read it and and recognize um, uh, when discipline needs to occur in their own uh, church context. And of course, mm-hmm. within the broader church um here in america and i would imagine abroad too you know so because where we are there's there's gonna be some measures sin somewhere somebody somebody's out of pocket lord help us you know we we, we are uh being sanctified you know uh progressively you know (laughs) and it's a slow process uh most of the time so anyway so thank you so much for availing yourself uh, see to reading and learning and researching, you know, some of the history and doing the, the biblical theological work in order to break this down and make it accessible, you know, for us. And my hope is that the, our, our, and I'm, I would imagine you agree with this, is that our listeners, our sisters at the table and our folks in the standing room section who um, are like, oh my goodness, this is what's lacking. This is what I needed. You know, in my situation, I hope that they feel, uh, I hope you all feel strengthened, heartened, um, encouraged, and I hope you know that you are seen, known, and loved um, ultimately by God, um, but also seen by us here at the table. And so I hope you do feel um, encouraged um, and that this, yeah, I don't know, that you that you feel like you can run on um, a little bit further as a result. Yeah. Of- for, for every instance where there's someone who has been harmed by the church or the church did not stand up, right? And they, they're listening and they feel a sense of um, d- deeply alone. It is likely we're dealing with a discipline failure. Yeah. Um, when no one could tell anything to a pastor that was convinced <laughs> they had been given the given the tablets from God directly. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, or, or there's a pastor that has been thoroughly mistreated by the people. Let's not get it twisted. I mean, yes. I, I, I can think of multiple examples where pastors <laughs> and clergy families have been terribly, terribly treated uh, with with no uh, no no consequences, no uh, it's just kind of just tucked away, and so we just we can't we can't treat us we can't treat each other any kind of way. Yeah. We are held accountable, uh, regardless of your position of how you treat people. And um, discipline reminds us of that yeah. that I that I need to be held to account, but also that this entire community is is representing something to the people here and to the people outside of its walls. And so we have to be in order. That's right. We do. Exactly. We do. And I'm glad you mentioned that last piece about, hey, hey, we can cause harm to the pastor too. You know, I think that that, that, that 
I don't think that can be said enough. <laughs> we are. It, it can. It can be bi-directional. Let's just. You know, it can be. It's not always, but it can be. For um, sure. So yeah. So thank you so much. Um, see, you know what? Actually, see. Do you mind um, saying a brief prayer? You know, because this is such a sure. touchy and sensitive subject for so many people. So. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. Gracious God, we thank you. Um, we thank you, O oh Lord, that there is enough grace to tell the truth. Amen. That naming and acknowledging our own hurt, the harms that we've experienced, that we've witnessed, that we were silent about, the harms that we have done, that in naming those things, it will not shatter us like we are porcelain dolls, but instead it will make us um, to cry out to you, to look to the hills which come with our help, to be reminded that you are indeed a present help in times of trouble. And God, we need your rescue. We need your deliverance. We need your sanctifying power. Would you, oh God, walk walk the pews of the church? Would you get your house in order? Yes. Would you show us what it means to be ambassadors of Christ? Would you show us the way of love, oh God? Would you, oh Lord, remind us to particularly be mindful of those who have less social power amongst the body of believers? Let us be mindful of the sojourner, of the children amongst us, the socially poor amongst us, oh God, the widows, the orphans amongst us, oh God. Um, Lord, just help help us, help us to see the people that the world and even the church sometimes tells us not, that we don't have to see. Yeah. And we pray, oh God, we pray, oh God, for correction. And if we do not listen to your whisper, oh God, even in trembling, we ask that you would raise your voice, that you would get us together because there are people who desperately need your intervention right now. Teach us how to love them well. Teach us how to hold each other accountable, oh God. Not denying or minimizing our own social power or influence, oh Lord. Help us to tell the truth about the way in which we use our words and our actions, oh God. And help us, oh Lord, to to live a life in submission to your will and in submission to other people, oh God, for your name's sake. Amen and amen. Amen. And amen. 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 Well, we want to thank y'all for taking a seat at the table with us this week. Let's keep the conversation going. Tweet us your thoughts about this episode behind our book, Disciplining the Church by Dr. Christina Edmondson. You can use the truth, the hashtag truth table and hashtag truth table book. Black women, did y'all know that we have a that truth table has a black women's Facebook discipleship group? Well, we do. Uh, follow us on uh, at uh, on Facebook at Truth Table and join our Facebook group today. Answer all of the entry questions and agree to the group rules. Okay, so you might want to um, join on your laptop so you can see that last little um, checkbox that you need to mark off. Um, invite your friends too and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Truth Table. Email us your thoughts about this episode at Ask truthstable at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. Truth Table has a Patreon account so y'all can send your love offerings to patreon.com slash truthstable or you can bless us at our PayPal, which is paypal.me slash truthstable. Truthstable is made possible in part by Pottery Studios. Visit pottery.com for the highest in quality online audio entertainment. Our producer for the show is Joshua Heath. Our executive producer is Bo York. Our video producer is Daryl Bradford. And we have been your hosts, Akemini and Christina. We'll see you soon on the next Truth Table. Bye, y'all.